Hello, this is Anthony Seitzma, and this is Meet an African Pastor podcast, and I'm happy to be with an old friend I went to seminary with, Matogo, and it's been many years since we saw each other, but it's been great to to catch up, and I'm glad to be able to interview him for this podcast. Um, Mitogo is not currently in Africa right now. We've sort of switched places. He is in the United States, um, but he has a lot to share with us today, and I'm excited to have him. Um, maybe we can start. Mitogo, can you introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from, what you're doing now, um, you know, what, what growing up in DRC was like. Um, just tell us a bit about yourself to start. Yeah, my, my name is uh, Mitogo Opira. Uh, I was I was born and raised in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And then I moved to the U.S. a couple years ago. Uh, uh, I was born in Kinshasa, which is the capital city of uh, Congo. And then also I started the ministry with the Baptist uh, community of the River Congo, which is the one of the Baptist church in, in the DRC, where I got my ordination as a minister of the world. And then also I serve and then I still continue to serve that denominations, even though I'm living, I live in the DRC, uh, in the United States. I'm sorry for that. Uh, I'm married, father four children, uh, four children. And then I have a two more adopted children, which is I brought all of them to live with me here in the United States. And then so far, uh, my wife and I, we're leading a ministry called Global Christians Network. And then we work with the pastors and the churches, all denominations around the world. And mostly in Africa, uh, we have a partnership with some churches in the DRC in the Congo, Brazzaville, in Gabon, and Benin, and Angola. Uh, that's how our ministry has extended. In the U.S., we, we planted a couple churches. This is what I can say. This is our, our ministry. And then this is uh, your, your host for uh, one of the, uh, the person who's going to be with you today. Thank you so much, Mitogo. Um, it's, it's wonderful to hear um, what you're still doing today. To, to help leaders in Africa. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but I wonder if we can first start hearing a little bit about your testimony. How did you become a Christian? How did you come to know Jesus? And then how did you get called into ministry as a pastor? Uh, thank you. Uh, I remember I was, uh, uh, I was, that was in September. It was in September. That's good things that this is happening in September too. Uh, I was I was back in September, uh, nineteen eighty eighty five. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, my friends who live now in Angola, he called me to attend the Campus Crusade uh, a seminar, which was held in in our, our city. And then I'm going to that conference. And then I came to know uh, Jesus and then also to know the dynamic of our evangelist. And then uh, since then, I've been involved in the church. As I'll, I'll say since 1983, I've been involved in the church and uh, in the death movement. I decided to give my life to Christ. 
And then also after that, I was trained by the Campus Crusade how to conduct evangelism as a young man. I remember I was like a 19 or 20, going 20 years old. Okay, and how many how many years did you pastor before oh, coming to the U.S.? Uh, I pastor from uh, 19, uh, 1991 to nineteen ninety eight. I was a pastor. So that's why I went to seminary in Africa. First of all, I was I became a Christian in eighty three and eighty eight, and then I, I joined the seminary uh, as a minister for to to learn. And then as I graduated nineteen ninety one. And then our Baptist church in Congo, they placed me as associate pastor in Itaga. And then I went to lead another church in Kauka. And then I went to lead another church in Matete. And then I planted one church in Linguala. Uh, that was uh, from 1991 to 1998. For seven years, I was a pastor, active pastor in Kinshasa. And then eventually we ended up at school together at Calvin Seminary. And that's how we met. Um, and yes. you said uh, you said to me earlier that after Calvin Seminary, then you came back to to DRC for a while, and then you came back to the U.S. again. And I think you just mentioned you planted some churches in the U.S. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Tell us yeah. more about that. That sounds fascinating. You know, well, coming from Africa in 1998. And then I joined one of my colleagues uh, who had a church in North Carolina. I served as an associate from 1998 to 2000. And then in 2000, we planted Emmanuel uh, French Church in North Carolina. And then uh, when I found out after five years of working at, as a, a pastor in that church, and then I moved to Michigan to join the seminary. And then after that, after the seminary, after my studies, and then we planted two churches which is still active, one in Grand Rapids and one in Kalamazoo. And then um, that's what we did. And then we have a, currently we have a two uh, active churches, one in the Grand Rapids, one in Kalamazoo. And then we have a team of our leaders who are working together uh, to lead these churches. That's that's so great. Um, those churches, did you, I'm just curious more to learn more about those churches. Were they targeting uh, Africans who had immigrated to the United States or are these diverse churches with uh, lots of people from different areas? Yes, yes. Uh, the main goal is to keep the Africans who immigrate to U.S. in their faith. And that's uh, one of the things we are doing now. And uh, it has been going well. And most of the, our people, the people are joining our churches, uh, more, the majority are Africans. That's our main target. Okay, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, let's switch topics here a little bit. So obviously you, you have had your own experience of being a pastor in the DRC. And even today, you're going there quite often to teach pastors. Can you help uh, those in North America understand a little bit about the, the similarities and the differences between being a pastor 
in the U.S. and being a pastor in the DRC because you've experienced both. So how, how do you see the similarities and how do you see the differences? But it, it, there is, there is a, I'll, I'll point out a couple aspects, okay? There's a, what we call the economic aspect and then the spiritual as, aspect. And then I'll put, I'll, I'll put the third one, it's going to be the environment, okay? Let me go to first to the economic aspect. Be a pastor in the U.S., you know, most of the time the church uh, see the budget, see the, the, the financial uh, component. That's why they can place you as a pastor. And then, then the church must be sure they will be able to provide, to pay for you. That's something the church in the U.S. are doing. But in Africa, the majority of the churches are the, the denominations. That can be any of the denominations. When they place a pastor in a village or in a city or in any places, they do not think about that component, what's it called the economic aspect of it. But they place someone in one place, they ask the person to go and do the work. And then they're expecting that person to become a fruitful in, in the ministry. And it is going to depend totally to the pastors. It's our ability to work and then to interact with the people in that areas for that church to become a sustainable. And then they can be also, they can be able to support the pastor who move there. In the U.S., the church think and support the pastor. But in the Congo or in the Africa in general, the pastor goes and then work and then raise the support he needed for himself. Many of the time, many of the time, many of these pastors, they are not capable of raising the full uh, support they need in a, for economic standpoint. That's a, one of the aspects. The second aspect I want to point out is the spiritual aspect. In the U.S., by going to my, my personal experience, you will see the church, the pastor in the U.S. are spiritual in certain level, but they seem, it seem like uh, uh, they don't go that deep in that spirituality and they try to understand what is going in a, in a, spiritual, in a spiritual realm or environment. But in Africa, the pastor has a tendency to be more spiritual guide to the community and to the environment where is working and is, is leading the, uh, the uh, people. You know, the pastors are more are prayerful. They like prayers and then they do, they do all these things. So what they call like a deliverance and they try to interact with the spiritual things, which is not more common in many of the denominations in the U.S., and then also, let me go to, to my third point, which is going to be the environment. Environment in the U.S., we have uh, the U.S. law, we have uh, all these policies, we have uh, the church uh, uh, or uh, regulations, all these things that come together. It creates a very safe and fruitful uh, environment for pastor to, to develop. But in Africa, this, all these policies are not in place. Even though we have organized nations and country and denominations, but the environment is still uh, a little bit different, very different. The people in Africa, they still a little bit, I would say, uh, 
I'll say just like uh, people are, is, they need more organizations for the nations, for the villages, for the community to be where it's supposed to be. And then also going to the, uh, we'll say like uh, uh, some of the basic needed, like uh, water, electricity, all the things. In the US, something is a permanent, but that one in Africa, you, people still hope to have it one day. That's the differences, you see? In a, on an economic standpoint, the African spas are, are struggling. In a, 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 in a spiritual standpoint, they are fruitful, and then the environment is still challenging for them. You're going to the U.S. is totally different. Uh, you see that they are very, very opposite to all these two, two, three things. That's what I can say in my well, my experience as a pastor in Africa. And then a, pa a pastor in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me let me try to go deeper with you on that first one, the economic aspect. That's something that that I've thought a lot about too. The economic difference. Um, do you see what? Do you see positive and negatives to both? Um, like the the pastors being well supported financially in the US and, and that's not happening so much uh, in many, many African countries. Do you see one as positive or, and, or negative or do you see positive and negatives to both? No, you know, economics, you cannot separate that with uh, the ministry. I'll give you an example, okay? I'll give you an example of what's happened to us last month. My wife uh, took uh, 500 uh, uh, reading glasses, okay? It told uh, most of the, the people, that was the synod of the a Christian Alliance Evangelical Church of Congo. Uh, many of the pastors, they came from the villages. And then by receiving a pair of glasses, a pastor said, I do not have a 75,000 Congolese frame, which is equivalent of a 30, I would say almost like a $38. Because of that, the pastor doesn't have that money, $38. I'm talking about $38 to buy a mm -hmm. reading glasses. Because of that, the pastor could not preach. For many years, he could not read the Bible. He could not be to perform the way he should. That's, yeah. a, that's a negative aspect of that. Lack of the financial support. Lack of the things you need. We have a many, many pastors who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And then some of them, you can see him with a, a shirt or with a suit. But when you ask the pastor, remove your suit, I want to see your shirt. You'll see just maybe that shirt, I'll say it's messed up, but it keeps just the front of it for people to see he has a shirt. But the truth is that shirt is already messed up because he has been wearing the same shirt for many, many, many years, which is a very bad aspect of it. And then I would say, like, there's a many pastors in Africa who are struggling. They cannot afford to pay for their children's education. 
that's become very bad because of the economy. That's the aspect. But the good things about it, they are very fruitful, mm. uh, perseverant, and they keep going in their ministry. That's one of the things I can say. And then in the U.S., the financial aspect is going to the environment, the lifestyle in the U.S., which is to require a lot of financial support from anyone who lives in the U.S. This is a two things a little bit different. The environment, uh, a pastor in a village, he has a friend, he has a people, he has all the people around him. And maybe he has a field, he can go work. But in the U.S. is totally different. That's the differences I can say. The advantage of the financial aspect is giving you the time, the energy you need to go for and to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that, that, that's, <laughs> that's so interesting. Um, and here in Uganda, one of the things that, that I teach is, is just what you're saying, you know, that we need to support pastors so that they have the time and energy to do the ministry that they're called to do. But sometimes people will push back a little bit and they'll say, you know, having our pastors support themselves and work is giving a good example to other people. And they, they try to uh, encourage that to say, you know, pastors shouldn't be dependent on, on the people of their congregation. And they're also pushing back a little bit against all the prosperity preachers who basically take the money from their congregations and, you know, until they become poor while they're becoming rich. And so a lot of the, the Christians that I'm working with really like the idea of pastors um, having other jobs where they support themselves. What do you think about that? These pastors that, you know, have to be farmers or businessmen to support themselves. We, we say tent maker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, Tony, Tony, that's, this is the life we live in the U S okay. Us in the U.S., because most of our the, the churches were leading in the U.S., they are not financially capable of supporting us. And then I, I have to work, and then also I have to do the ministry. You got me? So you're, you're doing tent making as a pastor in the U.S., which is different from a lot of the pastors around you in the U.S. Yeah, that's a totally different for other pastors in the U.S., because I've been called, and then I don't want to leave my ministry, my calling. And then for the past, I would say for the past 20 years, I've been pushing on both sides. I have to preach the gospel on Saturday, on Friday, on Monday, on Wednesday, and then Saturday and Sunday, I have to preach the gospel. But on the meantime, I have my families, I have my people, I need to support myself. You see what I mean? And then yeah. that aspect of a tent makers is giving me the freedom uh, to do the ministry the way I think I can do. But let me put something you need to understand also. The back or the bad of it is that uh, something wrong on the, about that. You, you're going to be, for it's going to get to a certain times, uh, a certain point, you, with the work is giving you more responsibility, and then you're going to be debating, can I keep working 
or I have to I have to abandon the work and then to focus on the ministry. That's something we need to we need to understand also. And then asking an African pastor to go to work on the field and do some other work instead of depending on the people. Uh, first of all, we want to we want the people to be faithful to to, to their God, not to their pastors. Just to be faithful, giving your contributions, giving what you have to the to the to God first, and then that is gonna help the pastors to help to get something what you need, and then to minister to minister to them too. But if a pastor is going to work. It's going to be a financial independent from the congregation. That's not bad. But the downside or the bad things about it is what's the responsibility of the congregation? Are they capable of helping the church? Like my wife mm -hmm. and I, both of us were working. Both of us were ministers of the world. And then we have a couple of friends with us. Because we're working, but when we need to support the ministry, we have to contribute. And then I don't want to say this, but sometimes it seems like we're giving much more than anyone in the ministry. We're giving all our resources and then we're providing for the ministry. And then on the meantime, we're organizing the ministry. Yeah, I think that's similar to pastors here. What I notice is that pastors here, you know, they're working in business or farming. They're getting very little contribution from the church, and yet the church also has a high expectation that the pastors will contribute a lot of money to the ministry, a lot of money to the poor, a lot of money at burials and weddings. Uh, it becomes quite challenging for them. Yeah, that's why we're living here. We're just mm. living the same. You're working with the, um, I was also with the Africans, is mostly is that's what to happen. That can be in the US, that can be in Europe, that can be in Asia, uh, that can be in Africa. When you're working with Africans, uh, there's a few group of Africans which, where they stood up and they, they, take, they take responsibility of the church. But many, many times, the pastor have to work hard to support the ministry, for the ministry to keep going. Okay. Uh, that's uh, something we need to keep praying about and thinking about. Uh, let me switch uh, to a different topic, though. We're getting near the end of our time, and I really want to get to this, this other question. Um, we were just talking about the difference between pastors in the U.S. and uh, in different African countries. Uh, but let's look at the church in general and, and Christians in general. Um, what are some of the strengths you would see of of African churches generally? What are some of their strengths? What what are some good positive things you can say about them? And then um, after you share a bit about that, what are what are some things that the North American churches can learn from from African churches? Tony, uh, one of my my convictions, one of my things I do believe, uh, the African in general, the African churches, they have 
something which is the European, the Americans, the Canadian churches as are looking for. What they want, what the American church need is in the Africa churches. I'll go deep on that, okay? Yeah, please. Are you there with me? And yeah. This is the, what the African church needed is what the American church they have. The organization, the structure, the, the I'll say the engagement of the members to support the ministry. That's what the, the African church needed. The structures, their policies, all the things, the Americans, they have it. And then what the American church is looking for right now in America, where we have a generation of young men and young women who do not believe in the power and we don't believe in God himself is what the Africans churches they have. That convictions, the power of the gospel. That I'll say, that's why the, the African church they has it. That's the differences between the two churches. I believe we're going to get to a point, a generation of leaders, African and American leaders, who will sit on the table. They will say, we are not a mother and children, but we are brothers and sisters. Let's put our hands together and then work together to make the world the disciple of Christ. I believe the mandate the Lord gave to us is say, go to all nations and make them my disciple. That's what the Lord told us to do. Is, is we going wrong when us as Africans, when coming to America, and then we focus our ministry, especially to Africans. That's our mistake. The ministry needs to be broad. It needs to be seen by everybody. And it's, the people can come to get what they want and what they're expecting from us. That's what we need to bring into the play. The other aspect of it, the Americans need to accept the Africans' brothers and sisters as a brothers and sisters who, who they have something which they are looking for. Both of us, we need each other. Mm. And then we need to work together for the growth of God's kingdom. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful picture. As you're talking about viewing each other as brothers and sisters and partners, rather than, I think you said, mother and, and child, what has been your experience in, in the United States? Do you feel like other pastors and other churches look at you as a, a brother, as a partner in the gospel? Or has there been some challenges there? I tell you, when I graduated from seminary, I applied to be an associate pastor in many churches, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to plant churches. I didn't want to do the ministry. Uh, for like I do going like an African ministry and something like that. I applied. I did all the application I needed. 
You know what happened? There was a one church, I think in California, for almost like a four years, they was looking for associate pastors for evangelism. Mm-hmm. I sent my resume. I sent my credential. And then I was going through, I supposed to go through Article 7 of the Christian Reformed Church, okay? Okay. That means getting a calling church, and the church call you, and then when you're accepted by the church, the classes is going to require your, your credential for you to become the minister of the world as the, the, the denomination stand, uh, policy world. And then that was the point. I did everything I supposed to do, and then I request the place. You know what happened for four years? They never call me. They never accept me. Mm. Yeah. And then I, in 2009, I started working as a volunteer pastor at the Christian Reformed Church. Uh, that was a church of the servants. We started a ministry. We call it the basic English service. It's still going until today. You know the subject of the prayers every week for Mitogo? Prayer for my brother Mitogo to get a job. Mm. Tony, did, I did it from 2009 to 2013. Okay. I was coming to church every day. I was one of the leaders. I was involved. I was there for four years. Any opening happening in the church, when I apply, you are not qualified. When you apply, you are not qualified. And then I start, I was in that time, I said, no, I don't want to wait for the ministry, the job. I want to go back to school, taking classes. I got a second master's. I got a third master's. And then it, and then it happened like I got a job back in Africa. I accepted to go back, to go work in Africa. So what? What kind of qualifications were they looking for? Uh, obviously, you're very, very well educated. You have a lot more degrees than I do. Um, so, what kind of qualifications did they think you were lacking? No, I think they were looking for Jesus Himself to come down. <laughs> that's why I, I would say. That's why I said. That's what they accept my joke. That our they were looking for Jesus, or they were looking for uh, someone whose name was not Africans or different names, but whose name was like somebody else. You see what, that what I mean? Yeah. It, that is a challenge. It's a challenge for us. It, was a, it has been a challenge for us to be integrated as a pastors mm-hmm. in a, any of the, the denomination here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But I'll say, because I see some of the people making move. Like, I, I cannot say all the denomination in the U.S., but I say the Lutherians, the Lutherians accepted the pastors from Africa to be in- integrated. The Mennonites, they integrated the African pastors. Uh, I would say some of the, uh, the, the Methodists, uh, they accepted the Africans who come with the credential from Africa, they integrate them to lead and to be part of their congregations. You see what I mean? And then uh, some of the other denominations, like uh, I'll say the Catholics, they did it. They placed African pastors in some environment to lead in the congregation in Europe, in Africa, and even here in the U.S. 
the Catholic, they are doing it. But some other denominations, they still struggling in diversity to be more diverse and then to accept the other brothers and sisters coming from abroad as a ministers. You are in Africa, Tony. Mm. If you go to a church, people accept you and then they want you to speak. To, to speak. Exactly. Yeah. First of all, as a teacher, and then secondly, as a minister of the world, they want you to preach. Yep. But not in America. Yeah. Do you think that uh, it's kind of a result of... So there's a lot of talk about racism right now in the U.S., but do you think it's it's that, or do you think it's more of the way that people view Africa as a continent and some of the feelings that people have about Africa? Yeah, I would say most, most of the time, people see us as the needy, not as the people who has a potential. As the needy, someone needs the support. But not someone can give something. I'll give you an example. Yes. I'll give you an example. Uh, it happened to me a couple of times. I was putting on a schedule to lead a congregation. Sometimes, sometimes back, even though to serve to lead the liturgy for a, a, a communion, I, I don't want to say the name of the church. And then I lead this, I lead the service. It came to a, the time for the communions. I have to lead it. Uh, people came, were served at the end of the service. Couple of members came to me and said, Oh, you're totally different. The way you speak, the way you did the doing things are totally different. My question was, what does it mean? Difference. Some of the people they will say, like you are very, we felt like you are spiritual and deep. But some people, they say you are different because the way you speak, your accent is totally different from mine. You see what I mean? Yeah. That means they make the differences between, between us. That's going to, I would say, all this is a race, uh, background, or the way people grown up, all these things come to play. But we need to come to a conclusion one day, a hope, our generation are going to see it. Uh, our children's generation will see it, that we're going to sit as a brothers and sisters. I said one time in one church, I came to America looking for my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I saw Americans who are Christians than the Christians who are Americans. You got me? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, we need to be Christians and then our nationality is coming less. That's powerful, Mitogo. I'm glad that you shared with us those stories. We need to hear them. Uh, people listening need to hear them. Um, it's powerful. You know, these are problems that some people are already aware of and thinking about. And like you said, there's some positive change that's happening. So we'll pray for, for more positive change. I think we're about out of time here, but uh, kind of on that, that same topic we've been talking about, or maybe something else on your mind, I'd like to just, uh, as we get to the finish, is there something that's on your heart that you want to share with the North American church? Uh, you know, I don't know how many people will be listening to this, but uh, hopefully 
uh, different people who care about missions and um, who, who want to learn from African pastors. So what, how, what kind of closing statement would you like to make to the North American church? What kind of encouragement or message you know, to them? First of all, yeah, first of all, uh, Tony, I'll say uh, thank you to all American churches. Uh, I'll say American churches are, and then Canadians and European churches. Most of them, they're supporting people like you in Africa. The work you are doing in Africa, you are sowing what we call the incorruptible a seed, which is the gospel of God. But they need to remember the seed which you're putting in a plant in Africa is going to grow and then it's going to become the harvest. No one can plant a field and then when it's come to the time for to harvest your field and then you put fire and then you destroy it. Get my point. Many of the Africans, we are the result of the efforts of missionary, young men, young women, who forsake the lecture, the, the abundance, and then they sacrifice their life to go to many places in Africa, in the rural areas, in the remote areas where there is no water and, and uh, electricity for people to come to know God. But one day, Tony, there is a small boy in the village where you're living, that young man who will become Mitogo in the US. Mm. They need to recognize that the work you did in Africa is uncorrupted. And that, that young man need to be accepted in the U.S., that because it's the harvest of their effort, their seed in the field they planted. I speak as an African man. Uh, what I mean, we need to work together as a brothers and sisters accept each other. And that, that way, the kingdom of God is going to be, is going to come very soon. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's great. We accept that encouragement as a wonderful way to think about it. The <laughs> I like how you used yourself as the example of the boy who then comes to the U.S. Um, we, I, I don't want to stop quite yet. I want to end with uh, asking you to share any prayer requests uh, to the listeners because I think people listening, um, you know, they've heard your story, they've heard heard about you, they might love to pray for you and your family. So is there anything that you would request prayer about for either either you, your family, or maybe your churches back in the in the DRC? Do you have any special prayer requests? Yeah, pray, pray for many of the churches in DRC. Uh, we are transitioning from one leaders group to another for peace transitions. That's my prayer. And then also pray for the churches in uh in Africa, many of the pastors, they don't have much for them to continue to work. But we need uh, their prayers and support for that. And then also for the church, our churches in the U.S., we are in a, we are in a period of, uh, like our church in Kalamazoo are looking at a place where we can meet. Uh, we pray for that. Uh, pray for the 
also for the growth of the ministry here in the U.S. And my prayer for all this week was, uh, what God, what do you want me to do next? God, what do you want me to do next? That's why it has been my prayer for all these times. And then I know the Lord needs us for some missions, and that we need more guidance and prayers for us to have a very clear picture for what the Lord wants us to do. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mitogo. It's been a, a wonderful conversation. God bless you, and look forward to the next time we get to talk again. Well, Tony, God bless you and Sarah, too, for everything you are doing for us. And then the Lord will remember you and then uh, provide and then for, from all your need, all your expectation. Thank you.